Namaste. After the great or rather grand vision that Sri Krishna by his infinite grace grants to Arjuna, the divine instrument, and follows it up with the way and the bhakta, the bhakti that takes us so beautifully, so safely, securely towards the summits, which is man's inevitable destiny, there is really nothing more left to be said. <laughs> After that, there is, uh, it's, it's the grand culmination in a way of the Gita. However, Sri Krishna wraps up the whole thing in the next six chapters, touching upon things here and there which may have been left out, the little details, and makes the whole picture complete and perfect. So the essence is so far that man, the human soul, has three status of being. One is when it is sub- completely submerged in nature. Second, the sharbhav. Second, when it withdraws and enters into the vast immobile calm of Brahman. And the third status where it can rise beyond both as the Ish, the master. He becomes one with the master of works. So these are the three status that the soul can assume. As to nature, there are two kinds of nature. One is the lower prakriti, the lower nature which is composed of three gunas, sattva, rajas, tamas, and the higher nature. Sri Krishna speaks of it as para-prakriti, the higher super-nature. So when the soul ascends out of the lower nature, then the higher nature takes him up and takes him to the eternal, seat of the eternal, where he too becomes one with that higher super-nature, sadharmigati, sadrishigati, Salokya Gati, Samipi Gati, Sayujya, all these similar status as of the Lord. So similar, not identical of course. So this is the essence of the Gita and the whole journey of life is meant to be an ascension out of our state of ignorance in which we are caught by the triple modes of nature towards a state of knowledge, wisdom, strength, power, love, bliss, peace and the entire range of qualities of the divine nature. This journey moves through many landscapes, inner and outer. But even in our ascension, and the process of course is yajna, sacrifice of the lower for the higher. That's the process. Worship by constantly bowing down to the Lord in reverence, adoration, and so that his hand can lift us up. By jnana, that means turning the mind inward and upward instead of the discursive intellect engaged with things which are outward, superficial and of a lower uh, movements of nature. This is the path. So in this ascension, while one is caught in the lower nature, he has to find some hold within that and then rise up. So you see it is like, there are many ways one can compare it, but you must have seen whales. Whales can dive very deep in the waters. But you know, they can't breathe there. They are mammals after all. (laughs) So to breathe, they need to come up to the surface. They breathe like us. 
So once they fill the lungs with water, they go down into the depths. Now there are several currents. And you have to catch that current which will bring you closer to the point from where one can go beyond the gunas into that trigunatitavastha. So Sri Krishna in some details describes these three currents of nature. He has already introduced us to them, the tamas, rajas and sattva. They are everywhere from the atomic structure of matter which we know as today potential energy, kinetic energy and the uh, energy which tries to create equilibrium. This everywhere in this creation. It is there psychologically within us. It has same forces are acting. In a tamasic mode we do things mechanically. We do things without thought, without consideration, without the shastra, without even a proper will. At one place in one of our conversation, the mother asks all those who have gathered around us, have you ever thought why do you go to the samadhi? You do it as a mechanical movement. But have you ever thought why you go there? So things when they are done without consideration, without clarity about the goal, without the knowledge, the Gita uses the word Shastra. Shastra is both at once what is outside as well as what is within. There is a way, there is a path which is prescribed for ascension. So when things are done in that state of obscurity, mechanically, as maybe a dead soulless ritual, one cannot uh, really make an ascension. Often it only leads to more and more delusion and cloudedness. That is a gift of tamas. It says, fine, you like me, I'll give you something so that you can stay here for a long period. But fortunately we have also rajas. Rajas comes and shakes up the tamas. Or sometimes things will happen which is shake us up. So rajas starts, is like that state. Let's compare the two as tamas as a state when one is completely lying on the floor in a sleep with all the doors and windows closed. And one is dreaming things. The more tamasic you are, you need much more violent sensations to wake us, wake up. So sign of tamasic people are they extremely violent to the words of cruelty. They like to inflict pain because they can't feel pain. They can't feel alive without pain. So they will, sorry to say, get a lot of tattoos, punctures on the skin. They their, you know, all the habits will be like this. Uh, they will watch such things which are very titillating to the senses, too much excitement. They don't feel alive without that. Tamasik pravarti. They can't make effort of thought. If you tell them to read Mother and Shurabindar, even a high uplifting thought, poetry, they will go off to sleep. If at all, they make the effort. Rajas is when the person wakes up, doesn't know where he is and he is doing within that room. He is trying to find, switch on some light. So sometimes he switches on the light inside. Then... You know, he does all kinds of things, runs here, there, jumps. So Rajas brings in the sense of activity and it stirs us to action. Now Rajasic activity doesn't have the modifying action of the mind. It is driven primarily by desire and ambition. Like when a person is in tamas, if you could ask him, do you desire anything? He'll say, no, just let me sleep. Isn't it when deep sleep you wake up somebody? And tell him, Gulab Jamun khaoge. What will he respond? So it is not a victory over desire. Eh? Don't mistake a tamasic person to have one over desire. He's too tamasic even to desire. So he's in that state like stone-like. And he says, no, no, I just want to sleep. 
But when he wakes up, he's hungry. He's hungry for many things. So Rajas brings in that movement through the mechanism of desire and ambition. So Rajasik ego, when people are driven by that, they are active, but they are active for satisfying some need of a worldly kind. They go to ashram. Like first example was, one person is mechanically going, praying. You must have seen people passing before uh, Ganpati temple, even before Samadhi, you see doing this, and then little bit, you know, or they'll pick up a coconut and put it. You ask once, why are you doing it? No, 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 it is done. It's like a soulless ritual. Why? Because parents did it, grandparents did it, great-grandparents did it. There is no thought involved. It's a mechanical way of life. Then Rajas begins to even revolt against the Shastra, which is required. Why? Because there is some imperfection in the Shastra. So when people are in that Rajasic state, they also revolt against the Shastra. So this is the second stage. But then again, there is no light of guidance. Then nature brings them into the Sattvic current. So in Sattvic current, you say, I think there is a little window, let me just open it. So you open that window, you open the door. You are not yet a free person. You have not stepped out. But you can see that there is something like a luminous light outside. And that brings to the troubled, restless, vexed soul of man some glad release, sense of inner gladness, peace, calm, tranquility, prasadam, atma prasad, sukham, a state of glad happiness. It's not the higher one. But the moment you see that there is something beyond that, then you can catch this current and go further. Then you want to do things in a proper light. So a sattvic man doesn't want to act foolishly and rashly. But he must give a due consideration before he acts. He must decide, putting all his discernment to use. Or he will take help of a shastra. This is how it is to be done. You can't do it like this. There will be a careful consideration behind every action. And therefore the sattvic, whether it be even, the Gita goes on at great length to describe. The giving can be tamasic. Looks like giving is a good thing. Yes, but it can be very tamasic. You simply give without any consideration of who is the recipient. Or it can be rajasic given, but you remember, huh? I have given like those politicians and mafia dons. Huh? Don't forget. Mera time aega. You know, he is giving but with the idea. That what Duryodhana did to Karna. And Karna was fooled. Or it can be sattvic. That it cannot just be given to anyone and everyone. You have to give a careful consideration. You see these three pravartis, very interestingly, you find in even the great gods. So we have Shiva Tamagun Pradhan. He gives freely. No consideration. <laughs> yeah, Brahma, he is Rajogun Pradhan because creation has come out of him. So he gives, but there are conditions apply. Everything cannot be given, there are some conditions. But Narayana, Vishnu, Satyagun Pradhan, he will not give like that. He will, <laughs> he will <laughs> make you, prepare you, and uh, because their origin, all of them have their divine origin. They, it's not the like imagine if that tamas was not there there would be no ability to endure because of tamas men still can sleep and rest 
despite all the vexation that rajas brings because of rajas human beings do not uh, accept failure and defeat as final they get up and move and because of satya satwa they still try to balance find a balance in their life which is completely gone out of gear so all these three gunas carry man they seem to carry him up and down satwa will carry him floating upward rajas as if in the middle where you don't know which way you are going tamas definitely downward but the movement is always forward there is a very beautiful line in savitri even when our souls fail to look inside still we have parts that grow towards the light so that is the saving grace that this vast sea ocean of consciousness even within the lower sea aprakritim salilam in conscient there is the superconscient and unknowing to us we are being impelled forward the difference is if we live in tamas it will take eons we are clinging to that mud we are refusing to move so it will take long and maybe because we are in a state of delusion we'll get quite a few shockers we suddenly see a shark and we oh, i have to save my life if we are living in rajas we will move maybe we may take a big leap towards the future rajas is like that or we may suddenly take a leap in a contrary direction because rajas is like that it, it wants change for the sake of change but the satvik current makes our journey smooth passage safer and from there one can ascend so in all spiritual disciplines they may put it this way or that way satwa also mellows down the ego all three are egoistic states but in satwa tamasik ego is very hard to crack give any reason to a person the person is impervious tamasik ego it just holds on to what is that's it my stock of knowledge don't try to tell me my bab dada told me in my village that's how it was don't try to explain understand reason out the rajasik man is quick to break but the satvik man tries to understand things by luminous reason some kind of reason so the ego also becomes more pliable you can discuss with a reasonable man <laughs> but if a person is overtaken by rajas if rajas comes in the discussion then it's no more a discussion it's argument it's a fight so that's how these three currents carry human beings forward so generally in all spiritual discipline the advice is to become more and more satvik cultivate satva it is like moderation of desires don't be driven by desire don't be driven by the crude vulgar ego don't do things mechanically but try to understand read what has been given to us by the great and luminous one try to find some principle of guidance in life be reasonable control your impulses by a kind of guiding light at least reason so this is how a satvik man gets prepared for something higher satvik man wants to do things in the right way moralistic purity ethical purity they are not the ultimate truth but they are required as a passage so satvik man wants to do things like that he is not driven just by the blind impulse of the vital now in the gita it is simplified by saying that by and large human beings fall into these two categories one where there is the prominence of rajo tamasik gun it is rajas but gravitating towards tamas and the other which is rajo satvik gun there is rajas but moving towards satva 
to the former creatures beings human or otherwise where there is the tendency from rajas towards tamas the term used is asura who is the asura he is the rajo tamasic human being he is active but he is driven by violent activities and violent deeds he thinks life is only for satisfaction of desire he rajasic after that he just wants to enjoy life sit drink eat drink be merry his life is for food his life is for lust his life is for fulfillment of ambitions and therefore he is bound by a hundred bonds of anxiety you know asura is very anxious because he is all the time looking at the share market graphs and he wants to be ahead of somebody else ambition wants to so this is the asuric nature asuric natures move in a deluded way god is hidden from them and they may be very religious they may go to temples but they do not know as the gita puts it me who dwells within their body therefore they give to their body lot they abuse their bodies and in that process shri krishna even says in satvik nature speech can be satvik thought can be satvik and rajasik and tamasik and so on whereas on the other hand we'll read that description on the other hand there is the rajos satvik nature they are the devas god like they are also active they have an ego it's not like they don't have an ego but they have an ego which is not impervious to reason or higher things rather it wants to obey the higher things so somebody with a with a daivik nature if you tell him you know shobindo has said this or your master they have reverence for the master the wisdom so you tell them that you know mother and shobindo i'm saying in our context it could be the gita or whoever is the master the master said so oh is it so they will meditate reflect upon it they will not say yeah but i think like this and how because that's the rajasik the asuric tendency but the satvik people have a reverence for the master and they they spend their time in reading and gaining knowledge they read the scriptures so devic kind of people are they they don't live for just satisfaction of their desire but they are sacrificing long suffering they are they like to endure upon themselves they think about others they are considerate kind and all these qualities not that they are not forceful they have tej of a different kind they use their speech for creating goodness and beauty in the world and not lash it out in a way like the arrogant asura to you know abuse and create disorder and chaos in the world so this is how there are two categories of human beings of course shurvindo comes with a saving grace he says this should not be taken as a summary judgment <laughs> everybody has some mixture and most human beings start with an asuric nature it is by conversion that they become daivik so invariably we will see in most human beings a mixture so we should not start judging oh he is an asura he is a deva well everybody has a little bit of asura in him and everybody has a uh, or rather everybody has quite a bit of asura in him average humanity not those who have taken to truly to spiritual life and every bad body has a little bit of deva in him and as long as one is human even when the devi gun develops to an acme that little asura will remain shobindo even uses a very interesting thing in aphorism that uh, you know one should have a little bit of titan in oneself it becomes like the driving force too much of satvik man keeps giving conceding 
he says okay it's fine because he understands his goal is upward of course spiritual action is still further but in he is talking of human beings and to those who are of asuric predisposition the gita says something very interesting what a way divine render justice it's not based on your deeds the gita says very clearly it's not the deeds but the faith and will which is behind them and he says the faith and will can be of three kinds the tamasic faith and will which does things mechanically shraddha is also like a very tamasic kind rajasic faith and will where there is the will to gain some worldly desire and ambition and the faith is also god will as long as he gives me is god otherwise i don't know i don't believe in him he must punish he must you know tamasic people have this idea god punishes he you know Uh, gives death something here yeah, people have all kind because they don't read mother and shubindo even here at some point of time other day two days back somebody was telling me that see that person you know said something or did something so he died see how he died so early so early was 60s so i said do you know that swami vekananda died at 39 so don't draw such conclusions by the age of people there are asuric beings who live up to late 90s and you know we know the lord himself how he so this idea of drawing conclusions and thinking divine is a punisher these are all unthinking deluded because the asura believes in this asura believes in punishment so he believes god punishes so god also responds like this he seems to become apparently cruel because this is how he understands so to asuras what does sri krishna do he says i cast them into more and more asuric births why does the lord do that this is mercy how it is mercy because rapidly they are anyways going to touch rock bottom if you try to pull them up fast they won't they will refuse they will take maybe 100 years to be pulled up maybe few lives 10 lives so he says okay you go down and touch rock bottom when they touch rock bottom Shirobindo says then the other rule of the Gita applies that whoever even in the utter state of darkness takes my name i rapidly take him up and he should be regarded as a saint so when you read that verse of the Gita disconnected with the rest of the framework it looks very strange why would god do this so this is also a mercy wherein two three lives he experiences extreme touch rock bottom of asura then where will he go you are in the you know darkness then you will say bhaj govindam bhaj govindam he krishna murari hare gonath he nath govinda hare murari then you will rise very fast so actually it is a shortening of the journey albeit through a dark passage not a passage recommended for man this is not the shortcut that one should take but this is the reason why this happens whereas to the devik nature sadhu naam he uplifts paritranaaye sadhu naam those who are living with that predominant satvic state he comes to release them even sattva is a mesh you are still in the lower nature so he comes to release them vinashaya cha duskritam so this is the background and then toward the end he takes it to the grand culmination and says arjuna i have told you what i had to tell you but now i'll tell you the greatest secret guhyatam paramam vacham my last fine supreme word i will tell you and i am going to tell you the supreme secret the highest secret guhyataram guhyataram that's how he describes the most greatest secret i'll tell you and then he tells him that this secret is for you 
and he says this should not be shared with those who have ashraddha why it is said like that normally people like to convert others and there is a reason so this kind of distribution of geeta everywhere to everybody it's not what sri krishna would recommend and this is the reason for it and that's why converting people catching old and telling them i'll tell you about madhuran shurbindo you will prematurely you will disturb their balance now imagine you catch hold of a person who is living in crass world of desires and you tell him about madhuran shubindra and the great vision you know what he will say ha ah, i don't even see anything now what is he doing he is resisting which is far worse condition than not knowing that's why sometimes people ask question but in a very you know condescending way so all that you need to say is okay you stay with your faith don't put tamasic faith or asuric faith you stay with your faith and take where life takes you nobody is asking you to believe nobody is asking you to be convinced nobody is trying to convince you it's up to you you read you don't read you listen you don't listen you try you don't try don't try to convert mother goes on to say never try to convert these people who are so full of themselves and happy with themselves why because they will lose that balance and they will not know what is to be done this whole idea of conversion should go away in indian thought there is no conversion the only one who converts is god and he does it from within there is a process he has already made it full proof process <laughs> through lives rebirths you will ultimately reach there if you resist he has made another passage through the dark passage but he has made all the passages so he tells that this secret doctrine that i am telling you don't tell it to beings who are hostile and full of doubts it's not good and this is the reason because what will happen now they will start throwing resistance so unwittingly they will land up in the net of an asuric consciousness and an asuric force it's okay not to know but it's dangerous to stand before god and say i am greater than thou because aham brahmasmi this was ravana that's how he understood so after telling him all this and giving him all this secret he said now i'll tell you my final word not final supreme word because you are dear to me so last i am telling you what you have to do and that he reveals so beautifully man mana bhava mad bhakta madhya jima namaskaro think of me become my minded my lover my devotee obey my impulsion bow down to me make me your life your aim your goal your path everything so what will happen with that forget all other dharmas what you have to do what you don't have to do dharma also he reveals here i am the chaturvan i have established the fourfold order of society which is an evolutionary order and i am not going into it because we have spoken about it several places what fourfold order was also a evolutionary order which you can understand if you understand that there is rebirth then it has to pass through stages of evolution so that was what it was now it has been broken its truth will always remain that evolutionary stages will be there nevertheless at the end he says sarva dharman parityajya your dharma is not religion krishna is not saying leave all religions come to my religion no <laughs> krishna's cult is infinite so he says sarva dharman all laws and ways of being even the sattvic way of being now one is prepared सर्व धर्मान परित्यज्या मामे कम शरणम्रजा वाई इज स्पेसिफिकली स्पीकिंग ऑफ दैट ही एज सेट दैट अहिंसा दया दीज आर द ग्रेट क्वालिटीज ऑफ द दैविक नेचर विच अर्जुना हैज 
But now he is asking him to do Ghoram Karma. So he must tell him that, you know, there will come a stage when Sarva Dharman Parityaja Mamekam Sharnam Raja. Take refuge in me alone. Aham Tva Sarva Papipyo Mokshishyami Masucha. I will deliver you from all sin and evil. Do not grieve. And listening to that, Arjuna says, Nasto Moha. All my delusion is gone. All the vexation of my soul is gone. There is clarity. And I am ready to engage in whatever you command me to do. And Sanjay says, Wherever there is Krishna as the Sarathi, Yatra Yogeshwara Krishna, Yatra Partho Dhanurdhara. And once killed, surrendered to the Lord as his perfect instrument and channel, there there is victory, there there is victory. This is my final verdict, having heard the entire divine discourse. And Dhritarast somewhere shudders in his chambers because he sees what he refused to see. So we'll just read, that's the grand culmination of the Gita. We'll just read. So what are the signs of those who are ready for the spiritual knowledge? Sri Krishna reveals these signs are the recognized and traditional characteristics his strong turning away of the heart from attachment to outward and worldly things. It's important, you know, that you don't feel engaged like that. You don't want them. If they come, it's okay, but that will go away, this attachment to outward. His inward and brooding spirit, his steady mind and calm equality, the settled fixity of his thought and will upon the greatest inmost truths, Seeking for truth upon the things that are real and eternal. No outward sign. The person may be in an ashram, person may be outside, he may be just roaming around in the vast jungle, he may be living in New York or New Delhi. These are the inner signs. There is no outward condition. It's not about religion. It's not about how many times one is doing what. But the inner condition, the mind, thought is brooding upon the truth. Wherever he goes, one wants to know the truth behind things. There is fixed in him a total absence of worldly pride and arrogance. My home, my home. <laughs> God also responds. Somebody asked the mother, Why does divine give to Asuras their boast? They are boasting and he gives to them only all the awards. So he says, because that is the fastest way to <laughs> to reach. <laughs> they will implode. Every time they get a reward and recognition, they ah, see, I am the one, I am the one, I am the one. Till one day they realize there is only one <laughs> I in the whole universe. But they have to reach that point where the bubble burst, implosion. So, but the sign of a person who is ready for spiritual life is absence of pride. He doesn't throw his weight. You don't know who I am. This is tested huh? before we enter the ashram. Where are you coming from? What department? Where? Which uh, guest house? Hey, no. Now that time if you say, you don't know who I am. Oh, you lost it. <laughs> you see, divine has posted right people everywhere to help us grow. And then you say, okay, Lord, if you want me to wait outside, I will wait. 
you will come here and take me in and see the magic that happens. So this is how absence of pride and arrogance. A candid soul, candid like a child, clear, a tolerant, long-suffering and benignant heart. You did this to me, wait, I'll have my day and I'll have my turn. He won't say that. The heavy nature is, I mean, one ready for spiritual life is like this. Purity of mind and body, not trying to deceive people. Self-control and a masterful government of the lower nature and the heart's worship given to the teacher. Whether to the divine teacher within or to the human master in whom the divine wisdom is embodied. Then there is a nobler and freer attitude toward the outer world, an attitude of perfect detachment and equality. One moves around with the world, but not with the senses, but something else, a deeper thing. Freed from the claims of that constant clamorous ego sense, ego idea, ego motive, which tyrannizes over the normal man. This man will be very helpful if I have a problem. Let me take his number. Sir, number kya hai aapka? Politician, huh? Not realizing that he will not even recognize you. And all likely, people like, you know, to gather around some famous people, get a photograph taken and then they paste it on the Facebook. Because they believe sincerely and most of humanity is like that. That if I have contacts, so-called contacts, with the rich, the so-called mighty, with the famous, with the people high up, this is going to help. So, when the lower kind of humanity, gravitating downwards, meet the world, it has that framework. And it will not meet and mix with the humble and the lowly because they are below him. But that's not the way a spiritual seeker there is no longer any clinging to the attachment and absorption of family and home. Oh, my family, my home, my family, my home. Sometimes God says, okay, you don't want to understand, no? Okay. So, Graha Yuddha starts. Then God makes sure that you, you know, I was jokingly mentioning today to someone that somebody had come to me long time back about... Uh, Two and a half, three decades back. So he came, walked in for problem between him and his wife, family problem. <laughs> and then he walked out, turning towards Mother and Shurabindo. And God solved his family family problem by separating them. So this is God's ways are very different. We can't limit him to this or that. So, a person who is very absorbed with family clings to that only. Family pratha, that is the ultimate. But there is a, yeah, you should be nice, good. It is not saying break from, no, no, no. Be harmonious with everybody. But absorption, the word used is absorption. There is instead of these vital and animal movements an unattached will and sense and intelligence. A keen perception of the defective nature of the ordinary life of physical man with its aimless and painful subjection to birth and death and disease and age. 
a constant equalness to all pleasant or unpleasant happenings. One understands that this is the nature of life. For the soul is seated within and impervious to the shocks of external event. Finally, there is a strong turn within towards the things that really matter. A philosophic perception of the true sense and large principles of existence, a tranquil continuity of inner spiritual knowledge and light, the yoga of an unswerving devotion, love of God, the heart's deep and constant adoration of the universal and eternal presence. This is the sign that a person is growing spiritually. No other external signs. And there is a Mahavakya there. The one object to which the mind of spiritual knowledge must be turned is the eternal. By fixity in whom the soul clouded here and swathed in the mists of nature recovers and enjoys its native and original consciousness of immortality and transcendence. To be fixed on the transient, to be limited in the phenomena is to accept mortality. What a Mahavakya this is. So, then the Gita takes us beyond the guna and then I will read a little bit about the Deva and Asura. This is another thing which at least I had put and fixed in my uh, room long back. Just like mother's twelve qualities. That these are the qualities which should be cultivated. The Deva nature. How to know who is a Deva and who is a Asura. But again, Everybody has a little bit of Asura and a little bit of Deva. Even the uh, Asura will have some Deva. Bring it out, it will come out. But by and large to know, it also means not to judge others, but to see in myself where are the godlike qualities to develop them and to reject the Asuric nature. This is what this summary description is. It is not meant to judge anybody. So the Deva nature is distinguished by an acme of the Sattvic habits and qualities. What are they? Self-control. He is not impulsive. Just rushing to every impulse. Okay, let's go there. Let's party. Let's enjoy. He doesn't do that. He gives a calm consideration. Self-control. Sacrifice. As the mother describes that she had to watch a movie in a theater. Not a movie, but a program. And there was another person sitting behind. And he, he couldn't see because, you know, she is sitting in front. She realized and she quietly slipped in the chair so that he can watch she could not enjoy that I mean enjoy means watch it in that way but she experienced that deep joy this is the Buddhist doctrine also so this is where sacrifice one should sacrifice to the divine to fellow human beings whatever he can easily sacrifice the religious habit cleanness and purity candor and straightforwardness doesn't keep on you know hiding things here and there candor childlike candor and straightforwardness truth calm and self-denial compassion to all beings modesty gentleness forgivingness patience steadfastness a deep Sweet and serious freedom from all restlessness. Not the stoic freedom from restlessness. It is a deep, sweet and serious freedom. So there is in it a sweetness. Levity and is constant, le- uh, from all restlessness, levity 
and inconstancy are its native attributes. What is levity? That kind of light jokes which are of a very, you know, dark. People are supposed to laugh on it with all kinds of things. So it's sattvic nature freed. There is in it the sense of humor, but not of this crude vulgar kind. What about the asuric nature? The asuric qualities, wrath, greed, cunning, treachery, willful doing of injury to others. I mean, you may do things which may injure or hurt somebody, but it's not willful. Willful doing of injury to others, pride and arrogance, and excessive self-esteem has no place in its composition. There is self-esteem, but not like I am the only one in the world. But its gentleness and self-denial and so these are foreign to the uh, have no place in its composition. Meaning thereby these are asuric qualities which the Devic people won't have. So, but its gentleness and self-denial and self-control are free too from all weakness. Don't underestimate the power of a Deva. He is very quiet, benignant, gentle, soft. But this softy can become like Mandakni, a mighty river and when it flows... God forbid, if you are in the course, you will be washed away. So, it's like Shiva, benevolent to a default or by design. But if Shiva wakes up and picks up the Trishul, then all the, <laughs> even the Asuras. So, it is not a weakness. It has energy and soul force. Strong resolution. The fearlessness of the soul that lives in the right and according to the truth as well as its harmlessness. Tejaha, Abhayam, Dhriti, Ahinsa, Satyam. Here Ahinsa is no willful doing of injury. You don't want to injure somebody. But if in the course of the Dharma you have to live for truth, higher truth, yes, that's a different thing. The whole being, the whole temperament is integrally pure. There is a seeking for knowledge and a calm and fixed abiding in knowledge. This is the wealth, the plenitude of the man born in the Deva nature. This is the money he gets, wages, delight and peace. What about Dasara? He also gets money of a different nature. He also has a wealth. The Asuric man becomes the center or instrument of a fierce, titanic, violent action. A power of destruction in the world, a fount of injury and evil, arrogant, full of self-esteem and the drunkenness of their pride. These misguided souls delude themselves, persist in false and obstinate aims and pursue the fixed impure resolution of their longings. They imagine that desire and enjoyment are all the aim of life. And in their inordinate and insatiable pursuit of it, they are the prey of a devouring, a measurelessly unceasing care and thought and endeavor and anxiety till the moment of their death. Because they are all the time. Who will take away my wealth after I die? This is how they are living. Are you give it away now? No, no, no. If I give away, they will not look after me. Look at the paradox. The Asura's Paradox. If you are so much this thing, give it right now when you are living for something good and beautiful. No, no, no. I need for old age. How much you will need for old age? Crores of rupees. But also worried. If I die, my children will fight over it. So they are tied with a hundred bonds. 
bound by hundred bonds, devoured by wrath and lust, unweariedly occupied in amassing unjust gains which may serve their enjoyment and the satisfaction of their craving, always they think, Today I have gained this object of desire, tomorrow I shall have that other. Today I have so much wealth, more I will get tomorrow. I have killed this my enemy, the rest too I will kill. I am a lord and king of men. I am perfect, accomplished, strong, happy, fortunate, a privileged enjoyer of the world. I am wealthy, I am of high birth. Who is there like unto me? I will sacrifice, I will give, I will enjoy. Thus occupied by many egoistic ideas, Deluded, doing works, but doing them wrongly, acting mightily, but for themselves, for desire, for enjoyment, not for God in themselves and God in man, they fall into the unclean hell of their own evil. They sacrifice and give, but from a self-regarding ostentation, from vanity and with a stiff and foolish pride. So, you know, they, uh, they belittle the God hidden in themselves and the God in man. So, he speaks about the Adham Gati and the Asrik birth. So, this is, uh, you know, very strange and interesting. I mean, this is the kind of nature which you see uh, when people put plaques. When they give, they will give and sacrifice also. They want their names. People are so happy. They Sometimes it's so strange. You will see the... Name of the temple in their name. I don't know what happens. There is one here also in Pondicherry. You go a little outskirt. I am always surprised why this temple is named after the man who built it. And there are such temples even in India, other places, which are known by the man who funded it. Have you ever imagined why this has happened? It is so strange. So... These are the kind of asuras and let's leave them aside. Not worth discussing. But we should. <laughs> Don't do. But let's read about the sattvic people. So there is three kinds of eskesis, tapasya. So there is a tamasik tapasya. I do whatever he's told her, finish. Tamasik tapasya, rajasik tapasya. Okay, if I do this, I'll get this, I'll do this, I'll get that. But sattvic eskesis, what is that? The Gita describes three kinds of sattvic eskesis. First comes the physical. The eskesis of the outward act. Under this head are especially mentioned worship and reverence of those deserving reverence. Cleanness of the person, the action and the life. Just imagine this is worship. This eskesis tapasya. The action and the life, candid dealing. Sexual purity and avoidance of killing and injury to others. This is tapasya in its own right. Next is ascesis of speech. And that consists in the study of scripture. Kind, true and beneficent speech. And a careful avoidance of words that may cause fear, sorrow and trouble to others. Not even this, God will send you to hell. Careful avoidance. You have to be careful. Whether he sends people to hell or not is a different thing altogether. People built hells. God is busy taking them out of that self-created hell. 
he doesn't send people to hell or even to heaven he wants people to come to him and become one with him finally there the there is the ascesis of mental and moral purification and that means the purifying of the whole temperament gentleness and a clear and calm gladness of mind self control and silence so this is the way that the gita shows all giving also can be tamasic gift is offered ignorantly with no consideration of the right conditions of time place and object so there are some people waiting with laddus in hand whoever is coming they are giving no consideration um they disturb the evolutionary curve of things it is a foolish inconsiderate and in reality a self regarding movement an ungenerous and ignoble generosity it is like just for the sake of okay so many blankets were distributed the gift offered without sympathy or true liberality without regard for the feelings of the recipient and despised by him even in the acceptance kya diya saab ne despised by him and without any consideration whether you are pauperizing their energy whether you are making them feel low the rajasik giving is that which is done with regret dena padega really ah that's how your name will be shining okay with regret unwillingness or violence to oneself or with a personal and egoistic object or in the hope of a return of some kind from whatever quarter the satvik way of giving is to bestow with right reason and goodwill and sympathy in the right conditions of time and place and on the right recipient who is worthy or to whom the gift can be really helpful so and then gita closes with the chapter om tatsat and we know om is a threefold letter ah this is actually very simple ah is the outward going movement o is you know your and can 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 encapsulating it and move o is the inward turn ah is the outward movement o is the inward turn ma you are taking it within so that's and in om so three conditions waking dream and the sleep and the fourth fullness of om is the turiya all four are contained all three are contained within the fourth so that's why the word om and then tat that and sat to that is offered so all offering is done with om tat sat so om is that all outward going action the inward turned and ultimately to the one who dwells within that and sat goodness for growth of divinity that is the whole object existence to the one true existence it is a reminder that our work should be made an expression of the triple divine in our inner being so all three levels sat means good and it means existence both these things the principle of good and the principle of reality must be there behind all the three kinds of action all good works are sat for they prepare the soul for the higher reality of our being all form abiding in sacrifice giving an ascesis and all works done with that central view as sacrifice are sat for they build the basis for the highest truths of the spirit and finally let's read that last final word after revealing all this he reveals the guhya tamam that secret which is the supreme secret all other highest dharmas are only a preparation for this dharma 
and all yoga is only a means by which we can come first to some kind of union and finally if we have the full light to an integral union with the master and supreme soul and self of our existence the greatest yoga which yoga he has told all the yogas but what is the greatest yoga the greatest yoga is to take refuge from all the perplexities and difficulties of a nature with this indwelling lord of all nature to turn to him with our whole being with the life and body and sense and mind and heart and understanding with our whole dedicated knowledge and will and action sarva bhavain in every way of our conscious self and our instrumental nature and when we can at all times and entirely do this then the divine light and love and power take hold of us fills both self and instruments and lead us safe through all the doubts and difficulties and perplexities and perils that beset our soul and our life now we must know that this supreme secret is given at the end it is not saying okay be in tamas and just say god i am take everything it's not like that if we do it he will still take us through those currents make us reach there because that is the way things are but even with the sattva we recover we discover that we are not free having tried everything there is something which is still holding us back from the utter godness of our being for after giving out all the laws the dharmas and the deepest essence of its yoga after saying that beyond all the first secrets revealed to the mind of man by the transforming light of spiritual knowledge goyad this is a still deeper more secret truth goyataram the gita suddenly declared that there is yet a supreme word that it has to speak paramam vacha and a most secret truth of all sarva goyatamam and that he speaks in these words thus runs the secret of secrets the highest most direct message of the ishwara become my minded my lover and adorer my minded is think of the lord try to read understand what the lord wants of me what the lord thinks if i can receive it and fulfill it in life become my minded my lover and adorer a sacrificer to me bow thyself to me to me thou shalt come this is my pledge and promise to thee for dear art thou to me abandon all dharmas and take refuge in me alone i will deliver thee from all sin and evil do not grieve so these people often say why is krishna asking us to bow down to him well he is giving us the greatest secret in any case you are going to bow you will bow before people 100 people every elder you will start touching the feet every man in power you will start folding hands and say sir aap hi ho every person in power you will bow so he is saying instead of doing all that it is enough if you bow to me <laughs> that is what he is saying bow unto me i will take care of everything what a great assurance it is the utterance of the supreme power you don't have to do all this bow unto me 
sacrifice to me you are sacrificing your life here people say all my life i have sacrificed to home to family so what will you get at the end of the day you will become a picture frame for one year they will put full mala maybe they'll do a shraddh more to assuage their guilt oh we couldn't look after so every year oh i do shraddh babu ji ka shraddh karna hai because you feel comforted you feel somewhere connected it's not for him he has gone so instead of all this sacrifice give to me sacrifice to me the gita throughout has been insisting on a great and well built discipline of yoga a large and clearly traced philosophical system on the swabhava and sudharma on the satvik law of life as leading out of itself by a self exiting exaltation to a free spiritual dharma of immortal existence utterly wide in its spaces and high lifted beyond the limitation of even this highest guna on many rules and means and injunctions and conditions of perfection and now suddenly it seems to break out of its own structure and says to the human soul abandon all dharmas give thyself to the divine alone to the supreme godhead above and around and within thee that is all that thou needest that is the truest and greatest way that is the real deliverance all this personal effort and self discipline will not in the end be needed all following in limitation of rule and dharma can at last be thrown away as a hampering as hampering encumbrances if thou canst make a complete surrender to me depend alone on the spirit and godhead within thee and all things and trust to his soul guidance turn all thy mind to me and fill it with the thought of me and my presence turn all thy heart to me make thy every action whatever it be a sacrifice and offering to me that done leave me to do my will with thy life and soul and action do not be grieved or perplexed by my dealings with thy mind and heart and life and works or troubled because they do not seem to follow the laws and dharmas man imposes on himself then i'll make you dance to my tune and it may be baffling my ways are the ways of a perfect wisdom and power and love that knows all things and combines all its movements in view of a perfect eventual result for it is refining and weaving together the many threads of an integral perfection whatever difficulties and perplexities arise be sure of this that i am leading thee to a complete divine life in the universal and an immortal existence in the transcendent spirit we'll close with a little letter of shurbindo where he says strength if it is spiritual is a great power no so vivekananda spoke so much about it na yamatma balhin in the upanishad speak this is not for the weak spiritual strength the power of mastery over one's nature strength if it is spiritual is a great power a greater power is sincerity just imagine but the greatest of all powers is grace and then he says how many times have i not reminded you of the great supreme word of the gita abandon all dharmas and take refuge in me alone i will deliver thee from all 
sin and evil do not grieve